Hi, this is Sean Perrin, and you're listening to episode 53 of the Clarinet Podcast, the show where I discuss all that's new and neat with clarinet with the neatest people in the industry. In today's episode, I speak with Lacey Garber, who is a clarinetist in the Chicago area working for an up-and-coming instrument manufacturer named Royal Musical Instruments. Royal wants to take the clarinet world by storm and help the health and growth of the music industry by making great clarinets more financially accessible to more people. And financially accessible they are. You can pick up a brand new set of Royal Instruments for $4,500 US, and Lacey explains how this pricing is possible, some of the features and benefits of these instruments. We also answer a bunch of listener questions that are kind of sprinkled through the interview, and she talks about the Music for Good program that she is working on. The Clarinet Podcast is brought to you in part by the support of its listeners. And in the last episode, I asked you to please mention Clarinet to a friend or colleague or student or someone else who you might think might enjoy it. In this episode, I'd like to ask you to please go to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you happen to listen to the podcast and leave a review. Reviews are so helpful in allowing the podcast to get discovered, and they also allow me to get some great feedback about who you'd like to see on the show, things I could do better or differently, etc. However, I have to ask that if you do feel inclined to leave a review lower than five stars, please get in touch. Email me at feedback at clarinet.com and let me know what I could do better. I'm really proud of the fact that all Clarinet ratings are currently five stars, and I'd like to keep it that way if possible. The podcast is also brought to you by our sponsor, Dario Woodwinds. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Sanding, shaping, balancing. For centuries, mastering your instrument meant mastering these crafts too. But now, D'Addario is refining craftsmanship for the 21st century by refining their reeds and mouthpieces with the world's most innovative techniques, so you can spend less time sanding, shaping, and balancing, and more time perfecting your own craft. To learn more about the new era of craftsmanship from D'Addario Woodwinds, visit daddario.com woodwinds. So I'm here today with Lacey Garber, who is the clarinet specialist with Royal Musical Instruments and also works at Lisa's Clarinet Shop. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Lacey. Thanks for having me, Sean. So before we dig into these really awesome new clarinets that I got to try, I got to try the Royal Classical Limited uh, in both the O and the E voicing. Um, let's first talk about what, a little bit of what you do with uh, Lisa's Clarinet Shop there as far as the instrument selection process and what, what sort of a week at the office is like. Well, a, a week at the office, that's a very loaded question. Um, <laughs> so when when we're here, it's basically kind of like, it, it's just sort of a whirlwind because there's so much to do, um, uh, choosing instruments for people and getting them selected and adjusted so that they're ready to go out. Because um, we won't just send them out if they're all like stuffy and playing flat and all that and everything. Um and, you know, making the, you know, paperwork and um, trying to, to outreach to new customers, finding new customers. Um, there is just, it's, it's never a dull moment. <laughs> yeah. So if I'm inter interested in a new clarinet, why should I consider sort of a hand selection process instead of just uh, going to the picking? store? Yeah, exactly. Well, um, the, the hand selection process, um, 
Well, as far as um, like what, what Lisa does is um, she actually selects her instruments. She actually just got back from Florida from um, from Buffet um, earlier just this afternoon um, just on a buying trip. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Um, so she selects the instruments that she sells, um, and that way – uh, she knows that she's getting good instruments, um, and uh, and even then, uh, we have a repair person adjust them so that they're playing properly in tune, and that they're, um, you know, that they're blowing freely, um, and that so when the customer tries the instrument, they know exactly what they're getting. So you guys have recently started uh, also working with, or I guess you in particular, um, mm-hmm. the Royal Musical Instruments here. And I have to yes. say, I got to try these clarinets. Thank you so much. And uh, mm-hmm. very, very nice. I, I'm very impressed with them. Could you tell me more about the brand and where they're manufactured and a little bit about their sort of story? Sure, sure. Well, um, well, let me start with um, the maker himself. Um, the, the person who designs and makes them, his name is Yuan Gao. Mm-hmm. And um, you may have heard of Gao's Royal Musical Collection. Um he has been making instruments since 2010 Mm -hmm. Um, and he's been selling them all around the world and he lives in Boston um, but he travels half the year and so he hasn't quite been able to build up a uh, a market for his instruments here in the US and even if he did he's not here enough to be able to really take care of sales and take care of customers and everything Mm -hmm. um so, so that's why uh, Lisa and I have come on to um, to help everything just sort of, you know, get out there on the U.S. market. Um, and he is um, um, from China, from outside Beijing. He left China when he was 16 to go study clarinet in Vienna. Um, and he lived there in Europe for several years until um, moving to the U.S. And he's lived in Boston for the past 10 years. Okay, very cool. So where yeah. is the primary market then? You mentioned the U.S. is, is sort of a new market for this company. Um, newish, yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty much all over the world. He sells a lot He sells a lot in China. Um, he sells a lot in, in South America. Um, he has um, quite a, a, a good following in Italy, Portugal. Um, uh, gosh, where else does he sell? Um, he's kind of all over. A, a lot of, worldwide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So... Um, these instruments then, where are they manufactured? That was a common, a lot of listener questions came in actually for this. Sure. And I've, I've sort of just amalgamated them all into my questions here because many of them were the <laughs> same. Um, but a big one was where are they manufactured and and um, what is the wood like? Is it is it uh, naturally dried or is it sort of kiln dried? It's naturally dried. dried. It's no, naturally it's naturally dried. dried. Yeah. Um, the instruments are manufactured in China. He owns his factories. Um, he only employs eight eight workers um so it's you know kind of like a small group of workers so he's able to keep a pretty tight quality control on everything and he goes and he visits to oversee everything every two months um the the wood he he sources his own wood um so the wood that was that was used to make the instruments that you have with you that wood was bought like eight or nine years ago because it took about it took eight years for it to dry. So it is um, all naturally dried. I notice it's also yes. For, for those who can't see it, of course, it's um, the instrument I have in my hands right now. It's it's a silver plate. Um, the wood itself is is not stained, so it's it's a natural finish. 
Right. And the, the silver is it's a double plated. The keys are double plated in silver. Yeah. And the, the key feel actually is quite sturdy. So yeah. And it's one piece. The key construction is one piece. And he makes his own keys too. Oh, so these are all solid. They're not kind of soldered together bits. And no, then, oh, no, okay. it's one, it's a one piece die cut. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. I have to ask, and you know, mm-hmm. many people would wonder this as well. A lot of the instruments coming out of China these days, there's a little bit of doubt as to their, their quality, but it's also true that many great manufacturers are actually building products there now. So Oh, sure. How do people... They just don't want you to know it. <laughs> yeah. It's, We're it's, not hiding it. <laughs> no, a lot of companies are shifting their manufacturing there for different things. But, sure. But how does the consumer know then that they're getting something that's that's very trustworthy um, in this situation? Because the price is also very good. Like, it's surprisingly right. low on these instruments. Well, it's low because we sell it direct from him because we mm-hmm. don't go through the whole supply chain markup. So, so there's not really an intermediary distributor and then a local no. store. It's just one. Right. It's just me and Lisa, basically. <laughs> so you've cut out several middlemen, basically. Yeah, pretty much. And so yeah. I, I read on, online, I was reading about these instruments, of course, and it looks like he's manufacturing for some other companies as well. Is that is that true? Um, I know that he makes keys for Rossi clarinets. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, as far as um, other people he's making for, I'm not quite sure. I'd have to ask him. Like, you're talking like Rossi, the Chilean company? Uh-huh, right. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Right, yeah, the bass clarinet that he's actually developing right now, he's he's developing it, um, designing it in conjunction, in partnership with um, Luis Rossi and Henry Bach, actually. Wow, that's very cool. I had no idea yeah. about that. Yeah. So that'll be a Rossi bass clarinet? No, it would be oh, sorry, a Royal, Royal. Oh, Royal, Royal bass clarinet. Bass clarinet. Mm-hmm. So what yeah. is the product line right now then? So you guys have A clarinets and B flat clarinets in three voicings. Could you explain the, the voicing concept a little bit for, for the audience? Well, the voicing concept um, came about because, um, well, Lisa's years of of matching people with instruments, she noticed that there are certain instruments that work for certain people for a reason. And because you ever notice if you take one instrument, and you have five different people play on it, it sounds five different ways. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's the same horn. Right. And one person might sound fabulous on it. Three might sound just OK. And one person sounds like a foghorn playing it. Right. <laughs> uh, you know. Right. So in what's the difference? It's not the horn. It's the, you know, people's, you know, voicing, natural voicing in oral cavities are, are different, um, just naturally from one another. And so, um, and the instruments have a different voicing like people do as well. So, um, most people have either an E, an A, or an O natural tendency toward their voicing shape when they play the clarinet and the instruments tend to do that as well um some some are very clearly e voiced instruments um some are very clearly ah and some are very clearly o and there are a few that kind of fall sort of um like on the cusp like between like a like an ea possibly Mm -hmm. or an ah um so it could sort of go either way um but most of them are are or most of them are, I'd say about 80% of them are pretty clear as to which category they would go into. And so that's a way for us to sort of um, sort the instruments um, in a way that makes it a little bit easier to take a bit of more of the guesswork out of how to match instruments to people. Does that make sense? Yeah. So uh, one, one thing, though, is that so 
I had interpreted the the ah, uh, e, and the o oh to be sort mm-hmm. of s- subtle differences with the bore or the inside of the instrument. No, but is it is it really so? No, it's more. It's, it's an inherent difference in the instruments and just how they come out. Okay, interesting. They're all made the same way. They all have the same bore. Um, but it's like if you take two, say if you take two R13s and you play them next to each other, they don't sound exactly the same. You yeah, know, absolutely. But they're made okay. the same. They're made the same way. They're made on the same assembly, and but they're inherently different because they're different pieces of wood, and they vibrate differently. And you know, they have their own character. So the two models I have then, even though they're because I couldn't distinguish them other than the tag, so I was careful not to take the tag off. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so basically, they are the same model. They just have subtly different um, uh, sort of right. characteristics. They, they do, they do. So, like, if you play them, um, if you play the e-voiced instrument, um, you'll notice that um, where the instrument itself focuses, it kind of makes, kind of pushes your tongue up a little bit when you play it. And if you play the O instrument and you play it where it focuses, um, it kind of pushes your tongue down a little. So it kind of, if you have like a really naturally high E position in your tongue, when you play, if you typically, um, play a little bit on the brighter side, Mm -hmm. then you, then you might match up well with an O instrument to help kind of round you out and balance you a little bit more so that you get a little bit more more lows in your sound but yet you still have your natural highs so you get more of that kind of tonal palette so there must be an objective difference though like you guys are playing them with different embouchures in mind and then sort of categorizing them but what's causing the the difference in resistance and feel just inherent characteristics in instrument they're just it's natural it's a natural material so it's Mm -hmm. it's very it's variable you know it's uh, it's kind of hard to explain. Exactly. Yeah, I know. I, I'm, I'm sort of getting <laughs> you know? it. I just I know that one one um, mentality about that concept, and it you know it's not coming from me, but it's it's going to be in the comments. Is is how is this different from some sort of just inconsistency that's being labeled after the fact? You know what I mean? Like, are they really fitting into these different categories, or are they like what's different about the three instruments that leads them towards these three voicings? Um, just in how they voice, you know, I mean, they're not manufactured with, um, you, you know, like, oh, we're going to make a batch of e-voice instruments and we're going to make a batch of, oh, and no, it's, it's, it's how they, it's how they naturally come out. And it's mm-hmm. kind of funny because, um, the last, um, batch that we had gotten, we, um, had sorted through them and it was actually like a pretty even distribution. We were kind of shocked actually. Really? We were not, we were not like really counting like which went into what pile then when we were done and we looked and we counted them and we were like oh wow that's actually kind of pretty even yeah. <laughs> it was a little strange we weren't expecting that but well it's interesting to yeah. me too because i tried you know i wanted to try the o and the e because those are the kind of the, the mm-hmm. shapes i identify with and I, I do find i kind of change my voicing depending on the register i think it's kind of normal but but I really expected myself to prefer the E one, but this mm-hmm. one with the O is, is very, for mm-hmm. me, it was, it was very nice. It worked really, really well. It had a very sure. fan, fantastic, dark, uh, even sound. I was, I was quite impressed, actually. Right. Do you play with a natural high E voicing? Um, normally, it's a little bit between E and O. <laughs> Oh, so, that's kind of like awe then, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's, it's, I don't <laughs> think you? awe, because with awe is a very kind of open in the back kind of mm-hmm. feel. I do keep more of an E tendency 
but but okay. I sort of tried yeah. to change it a bit to play this old one, and it just I don't know something really like literally resonated. <laughs> okay, it, okay, it, it worked quite well for me. Um, sure, what it probably mouth- balances you. Yeah. Yeah. What mouthpiece do you suggest to match with these? Then I mean, and, and what instrument would they be most similar to? Because a lot of people are wondering, okay, in this price range, I mean, most of the other options they could consider are, are considered intermediate instruments, right? I know, I know. Um, well, I mean, mouthpieces, that's kind of an individual thing. Um, I mean, they're not really designed with a specific mouthpiece to be played on. What about mouthpiece um, pitch? Sorry? What about mouthpiece pitch? Because the one thing I did find was this is a 65 millimeter barrel on the mm-hmm. on the B flat, right? Yeah. Um, and it, there was quite a lengthy warm-up required. I don't know if it's because there's so much mass on the barrel, um, but with an American pitch mouthpiece, it actually was quite flat. So I had to switch oh. to, uh, to the, the 442 mouthpiece. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I believe they're, they're designed to play 441. The instrument itself? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And yeah, the mouthpiece is very personal, but is there kind of a, a setup that's recommended for these or... Mm, not particularly. I mean, what I, I play on a Greg Smith mouthpiece myself, and so does Lisa. I had one of those for many years. Someone knocked my clan yeah. over and broke it one time. Oh, sadness. Oh, it was oh, terrible. God, I know. <laughs> I know. Well, and plus, too, like I had Greg Smith make my mouthpiece for wow. me specifically um, because I told him, I'm like, I work, I work with Lisa, and I really need the mouthpiece to be like super like on, like with pitch. Yeah. It, it needs to be like solid. And he said, okay, I'll, I'll let you know when I, when I think I found it. <laughs> and it took him like four or five months. <laughs> is he still making mouthpieces? He, he is. Wow. I should, I should, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I had that one some years ago, but unfortunately it broke and I, they're, they're quite expensive obviously. And you know, for us, the American exchange is pretty bad, but. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I mean, for me, it's been worth it. I love the mouthpiece actually. It's probably the best mouthpiece, <laughs> mouthpiece I've ever owned. Oh, yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah, they are. They are. So back to the clarinets. Um, I wanted to go over a couple more features that I really find compelling and ask you about them. One of them is this register key. It's it's just brilliantly shaped. It's kind of off to the right just a little bit, sort of like it's it almost looks a little um, almost like blown by the wind or something like that. But it's sort of (laughs) almost like a dolly look. I don't know. But it sort of comes like a a deformed pancake. Yeah. And it looks when you look at it, you're like, oh, that's an odd shape. But then you. You play it, feels it, good, though. it fits under the thumb fantastically well. And then yeah. another cool feature that I, I noticed, there was two things. You guys have the um, the adjustable thumb rest, of course, but there's a place there to put your neck strap and the thumb rest is nice and wide and firm. And then you have these little nice adjustment screws underneath yeah. the, the, the crow foot. Um, mm-hmm. And also on mechanism. the left side too. If you if you take a look at the left hands, like like uh, F sharp, uh, C sharp lever, I think there's one over there too. Oh wow, I didn't even see that one. So inside, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yep. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. So I imagine yeah, those and, are quite helpful. Um, yeah, yeah, they can be. <laughs> so what what goes into the design especially philosophy? At, especially with this? in the moment. Um, well, I mean, Yuan Gao, he's a clarinetist himself, and he thinks like a clarinetist, and his you know, conscientious about how he makes his instruments and thinks about what, um, you know, the player wants and needs. And he's just very invested in doing everything right and making something that people will, will want and want to play on. So, so he's sort of scratching his own itch as far as the clarinet needs of the instrument. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good way to (laughs) say it. 
Well, it's true. I've always wondered, you know, that the the shape of the register key seems so odd. And this is just kind of a it's a much better design. But it no, works. No, I mean the normal clarinet. It yeah. seems very odd because it's it's not the way people play it. But this is the way people play it. It's off. Right, right. A little off centered. Mm-hmm. So, it's right, really nice. yeah. Have you tried doing the Jean Jean Vedamikum with it? The well, left hand exercises. I will. I've been rather limited in my playing recently from oh, my, that's my, right. my hand. So I've been I've been noodling around, that's but right. not in any serious way. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> it they, is easier. A little easier. That is the left hand on one, it. though. So I've, I no excuse. I've tried it. <laughs> 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 right. So there's also the opportunity with these to um, upgrade a few things, such as the left-hand E-flat lever you're mentioning. Um, Are they available in nickel plate or or gold plate or or just silver? Just silver, yeah. And he doesn't do nickel. The barrel and the bell. um, Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about the extra versions of those that are available on the website and and, uh, especially the adjustable barrel? Sure. Um, Well, I'll start with the legend barrel. it's kind of like a, it's, it's really kind of something that you got to see. Um, it's, um, it's made from a single piece of wood and it basically twists in itself and, um, you twist it at the top tenon and it goes from 64 millimeters to 68 millimeters. And so if you travel a lot and play in different, um, like different like pitch centers, you know, like if you, um, you know, like do playing like say in Europe or whatever and pitches higher, well, you can put it down to 64 if you need to. Or if you play where a pitch is low, um, then you can, you know, move the barrel out and play all the way at 67 or even 68 if you need to. Um, and what's nice is that um, it, there's also a lock mechanism, so it won't come apart at all. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if, if you somehow manage to get it apart, you've broken it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can imagine it's very useful. I mean, I had a situation where, um, the last year, actually, I was playing a lot with marimba and vibraphone for this project I was working on, but then I'd have to go back and play at kind of a normal pitch level uh, with everybody else. And I just had to buy a second set of barrels because I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't lip it up high enough, but with something like this, I could have easily just, you know, Kind of, yeah. It a, it's like a click mechanism, or it kind of uh, no. it smooth, smooth, moves smoothly. It's a smooth. It's a smooth mechanism. It's it's just twists very very smoothly. What, what's the cost of a, a barrel like that? Um, it's two hundred. And your your all your prices are in U.S. dollars. Yes. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah, I'll have to link to some of these items in the show notes because there's a few creative ones. There's also um, a barrel and bell co-designed with Jonathan Kohler, I believe. What's the story on that one? So um, there are two types of Kohler barrels. There is the, the Kohler, um, which is um, it's it's a ringless barrel. Um, it's the one that you see on the website. The um, mm-hmm. the other Kohler one that we have isn't quite on the website. Um, we're going to be getting that up on there soon. Um, so the Kohler um, has a reverse bore, and it's a slightly slightly large larger at the top um, with a wider angle on the way down in the bore. Um, Sound-wise, it kind of makes the um, the sound like a little darker and a little bit more compact. Um, very warm, and, and the, the tuning is really good with it. Um, and then the Kohler Elite uh, has reverse bore also, um, but it has a smite of, sorry, um, but the Elite has a slightly smaller bore at the top and it's tapered down. Um, and it's also, it's a reverse 
a reverse taper on it. Um, and it has wood rings on it instead of being ringless. Oh, and that's the one that's not on the website. So the normal Kohler is, uh, that is the ringless design and the, the elite. Right. So you said is the one with the rings. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Interesting. That's right. So, but they are actually, cause the ones on the, the actual instrument too here, they appear to be like wood rings. Is that the case? Yeah, the ones on the um, on the classical, the, the, those have rings on them, and that's a reverse taper bore. Okay. And so if someone wants to try different barrels or upgrade the barrels mm-hmm. or change them, is that something they can do at the time of purchase or afterwards or additionally, or how does that work? Oh, sure, sure. I mean, if someone wants to try the instruments and they want to try barrels along with them, we can send barrels with them on approval, and um, then they return what they don't want. Okay, very cool. But they're, yeah, they're interchangeable. So the sound concept of this instrument then, I mean, one of the things that came up in the, the listener comments too was, was who exactly are they designed for? Are they, are they meant for more of an intermediate advancing player or a full-blown professional? And, and sort of what sound concept, um, what, what type of player is your ideal player, I guess? Well, for these instruments, the the ideal player is someone who is ready for a professional instrument, but doesn't necessarily need to drop $4,000 for it. Um, at least. Yeah, at least, right? Right. It's a fully professional instrument. Um, it's not an intermediate in any way, shape, or form. And um, sound concept-wise, it's it's designed for, it, it, like, with the more, um, like, American style of playing in mind, because um, this, this model is designed for the American market. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, um, it's, we think it's more, probably the most directly comparable to the R13. Um, but it has a different bore design than, than the R13 does. Um, so the R13 is a polycylindrical bore, and these actually, the lower joint is polycylindrical, but the upper joint has um, a inverse conical taper to it. So it takes the air in a little bit differently. Um, yeah, yeah. So the bore design is not quite the same, so they do feel a bit different. They're their own thing, right? Um, but as far as the, you know, like the, the level like professional level of the instrument um, and how it's made and the quality of it, we, we we think it most closely relates to the R13. So who's on the roster of players playing these instruments then? Because they are rather new. Yeah, you know, I mean, we're not kind of really going for like the whole artist roster like everyone else is. That's not really kind of what, what we're, you know, necessarily wanting to be about. I mean, he does have... Um, people who play on his instruments worldwide. Um, mm-hmm. But we're kind of more, um, with at least with these classical instruments, we're kind of more interested in promoting the um, the teachers, like you and me, um, that are educating the next generation of players and um, kind, of make, make, kind of making it more about people like you and me, mm-hmm. who, right, who are kind of on, on the front lines of everything. Yeah, no, and I think that it's it's an interesting recommendation for students too because it basically it's, it represents a huge savings. Um, and you know, if, sure. if a lot of the instruments you know that are made now overseas anyhow, and sure. so if you're cutting out the middleman and getting sort of access to the same quality of manufacturing, I mean, it mm-hmm. seems like a, it seems like a good option. So, sure, right, and and that's also the thing too. And part of the brand philosophy is that we want good instruments to be financially accessible to more people. And and we don't think that you should have to sell your left kidney in order to afford a good instrument. (laughs) (laughs) It's getting there though. It's getting there. 
It sure is. And it doesn't need to be. And, you know, we hope to kind of help that. So, so let's say I'm interested in trying these. How, how do I go about getting in touch with you and with, with getting a trial instrument? Sort of what's the policy and how can we do that? Because it's not like we can just find them at a local music store, right? No, 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 they're not going to be at any music stores. Um, um, if anyone wants to do a trial with the instruments, um, they'd contact me. Um, and um, I would ask questions like, what do you do you need them for yourself? Do you need them for students? Um, what are you looking for? Um, so basically, we would choose three um, to to for them to try based on what their criteria is and um, they would they would pay for one up front and then uh, we would send them three um, and with you know charging for shipping as well mm -hmm. um, they would have they would have two weeks to try and decide what they want to do and then um, they send back the two that they don't want and then uh, we'll you know charge a balance for shipping and voila and it's awesome. a two week mm-hmm Right. They, get, they get two weeks to try it, basically. And, and yes. what if they decide not to purchase any of them? Is there a chance to send? Because you mentioned having to buy one, and then you take three, and then send two back. Right. Um, if they don't buy anything, there is a trial fee. Okay. With, if they send everything back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, also, to um, um, that kind of um, segues into. Um, so we have this program called Music for Good. So in which you pay a dollar to join. So it's sort of a symbolic buying into our philosophy. Um, and if you are a teacher uh, who has two or more students who are ready to buy an instrument and would like for us to send you multiple instruments for your students to try, we will send you multiple instruments with no money up front. Um, and then um, as your students select the instruments and who knows, and you know, the students knows who's what's going to, who is going to get what, um, then uh, we would um, charge you know, the, you know, get, get the payment from the, the parents. Um, and, and also with, um, each instrument that the teacher, uh, facilitates the sale with, um, we actually will give them, um, a lesson fee because we understand that teachers frequently take precious lesson time out to, to help their students choose instruments or they take their personal time to mm. do that as right and so it's kind of a way of us saying thank you for taking care of your student here's you know us helping you know take care of you and um and they can either um keep the keep the lesson money or um they can use it to apply toward reads um for either themselves or for their students or um, put toward the purchase of uh, barrel bells or even toward the purchase or to toward the repair of an instrument for a student who can't quite afford it um and it's it's uh, paid out quarterly um and we think it's a really good a really good deal for teachers. Um, and also through the Music for Good, we offer education. Um, so you were actually sort of asking me about the whole voicing thing. Um, mm -hmm. Lisa actually put together a, a whole course on voicing concepts and how uh, voicing affects instrument selection. And that's available through the Music for Good as well. And the money that you pay for the course goes into your account so you can use it toward, um, you know, putting it toward, um, an instrument for a student or reads or, you know, like how I mentioned before. So is it almost like a, uh, I don't want to call it a commission, but I guess it kind of is like a little thank you for, for selling an instrument. And then the teacher can put that towards future purchases. 
sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the course, I'm, I'm interested in the voicing concept because everyone, you know, has their own sort of inner body shape. And, mm-hmm. and uh, does this sort of help you identify which one you're using, even if you're not quite sure? Mm-hmm. It does. All right, it cool. does. So someone might be advised to take that before they select the type of clarinet they want to try. They can, but they don't have to. It's, it's not required. <laughs> well, it is funny. It's, it's such a difficult concept because so many people like the, I mean, even me, I, I kind of thought I would prefer the one over the other. And then it was kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, in- interesting. And, and right. but you can't really see in your mouth and no one else can either. I so know. there's an extent where it's like psychological, but there's another sort of extent where it's, it's reality. Right. So, well, it's a self-awareness thing absolutely, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. But I'm curious. So like, what about the e-voice one? Did you not prefer? Um, I, there's something about the, well, maybe it's more about what I did prefer with the O voice one. Mm-hmm. I just found it was very much more resonant and open. Um, uh-huh. The E one felt a little more resistant, uh, not stuffy, but just more uh-huh. resistant than I would personally prefer. And sure. I found the O one was much uh, easier to get a consistent articulation throughout the registers Mm-hmm. Um, for me. And I, I again, I have sure. no idea what that means for somebody else, but, uh, I know. I but yeah, know. I, I played both. And I, I did a few things and I really, I really felt that, um, and I tried not to look actually, I was like, I'm just going to play <laughs> and figure out which one works the best. And I, I kept finding right. that one was a lot better for me. And, uh, but yeah, I, I quite liked it. The sound was incredibly smooth and dark. I had a student try and she said it, uh, I think I might've said this already, but she said she played about six notes. She's like, Oh my God, it's like butter. <laughs> I know, I know. And you know, we, we went to, um, last month we went to TMEA, the Texas Music Educators Association. Yep. Oh, I wish I was there. Yeah. Oh, it was, oh, I know. Wow. <laughs> I thought I've been to, like, I thought Midwest was, was big. That's like Midwest on steroids. Well, you know, I thought Midwest <laughs> was one of the biggest conferences. Um, well it is, but I, I heard TMEA is even bigger. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Was oh that my your gosh. first time down there to TMEA? It, it was. Yeah, yeah I, it was. I've got to find a way to go, which just sounds sounds terrifying, though. It's so large. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was actually it was pretty neat, though. And but anyway, I mean, we had a really great, um, great response from everyone that we met there in San Antonio and um, people who, who came to the booth and played the instruments. I, I mean, people were like, whoa, wow, this is like so easy. Like I, all I have to just do is blow and it just plays. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what that's I really liked about the O ones is there's such a, <laughs> right. there was an immediacy to the sound articulation and it was also very fluid and smooth. So yeah, yeah. I think he's, he's done a great job with it. I mean, it's. Yeah. yeah, we actually had a couple of people come back every day just to sit down and play the instruments. And <laughs> there was one guy in particular, he was so funny, like he 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 just he he'd come and just to play the instruments and he'd be just like oh my god he's like he came by every time <laughs> yeah you know were these... he was like he was like dang <laughs> <laughs> it was funny did you have these instruments when I was at clarinet fest and uh, no came by the booth um, oh okay we did not um, because um, that's actually interesting that you bring up clarinet fest because that's how we actually kind of got um, connected with um, Yuan Gao. Is um, did you want to hear that story? <laughs> Absolutely, that's what that's yeah. what we're here for. Clarinet story time. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, so Lisa and I went to clarinet fest um, for Lisa's clarinet shop um, to you know um, for like all like the buffet instruments, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and funny enough, on the way down, um, 
from Chicago to Kansas City on our flight was who other than Jonathan Kohler. And um, we we caught up with him at the baggage claim carousel. And we were like, hey, aren't you Jonathan Kohler? And he's like, hey, yeah. He's like, you're Lisa, aren't you? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I know who you are, but you don't know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you know, I actually played in the National Youth Orchestra Festival and you were doing our sectionals at Interlock in one summer. And he's like, oh, yeah, I remember that, actually. And like, yeah, pretty cool. So anyway, um, so we were chatting with him. Um, and um, and he's he was you know chatting up about yeah um, like gal this gal that his like oh his instruments are fantastic and he's like I love his bells I love his barrels and oh my god blah. and he's like you got to go check out his instruments and we're like okay all right that's all right we'll make sure to do that and um, and in fact um, Lisa a couple but what four years prior to that um, at clarinet fest four years prior um, she had actually shared part of her booth space with him um, and he was displaying his instruments and um, they were pretty good but they weren't quite getting the feedback that he was hoping for so he had actually kind of gone away a little bit and retooled and redesigned everything and he re- exhibited again for the first time since um this past august at clarinet fest and so um one day i think it was the first day during kind of like the lunch lull lisa said she goes i'm gonna go pop over to gao's booth and go play his instruments and say hi and and everything i'm like okay all right so um an hour goes by and i'm like Oh my God, where'd she? she? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, she comes back and she just looks at me. She goes, they're fantastic. Grab your mouthpiece. Go try them now. Go. I'm like, all right. (laughs) So, so I went and I tried them and, and each instrument he keeps handing me. I'm just like, oh my God. Oh my God. And like, he started off with, um, handing me this, um, like student model that, that, um, that he makes that he sells, um, elsewhere um and I'm like wow this is really this is really good and he's like yeah uh, thank you and so he keeps handing me the you know like like higher and higher up and I'm just like my jaw is like on the floor and then he tells me how much they are and I'm like what how can wow what (laughs) so um so I go back to the booth and I'm like wow like you guys need to talk turkey or something you know because you know his instruments are really fantastic so so they um you know they decided that they would you know get together and just kind of talk um talk business and um so she flew out to boston um in september and um they you know had conversations about uh, business and stuff and he um, they decided that uh, Lisa would advise him on marketing and uh, just basically um, Lisa and I would be the uh, US distributors for his instruments to um, help build a market for them here in the US and take care of customers and all of that good stuff because um, like I said he travels half the year he lives in Boston but he, he travels half the year and he, he can't do it all himself he's just one person so well stuff must have happened fast then because that was only about eight months ago right it was just in august yeah Yeah, we've we've only had these instruments since the first of the year oh really so they're literally like six weeks eight weeks old at the time of recording today anyways uh that's crazy yeah or three months well i guess so it's march now yeah (laughs) oh yeah like maybe two months then sure Yeah. yeah we've only had the instruments for just a little over two months 
So will people have the chance to try them this year at Clarinet Fest? Are you bringing some out? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We are. Um, we're going to be there with bells on. Not literally. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, with Hopefully bells. the clarinets will be with yeah. bells on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll have bells and barrels and everything. We just won't be wearing the bells, but you know, <laughs> that would be a little weird. But, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll, we'll definitely we're going to be there at Clarinet Fest. Um, we're actually going to have a couple more instruments um, with us. Um, and the big news is that we will have a bass clarinet um, that will be premiered. From Royal? Yes. Will it be a low uh, C model? Yes. Oh, wow. Yes, and uh, by all accounts, so far, it's going to be fantabulous. <laughs> any more nuggets you could share about that, like pricing or uh, I don't know features? Or, oh, okay. I, I don't know. I do know that the key work is going to be more easy to adjust. Okay. Um, it's not going to be so incredibly, like, you got to take off 10 pieces just to get to one key. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> like not literally 10 pieces but it, it'll it'll be the like the keywork design it'll be e- a little easier for a repair person to adjust it um, um i know that the board design is going to be a little different than say like the prestige um and he's designing it to where um he's designing it to um like to play really 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 well in tune um he's actually he's um consulting with Luis Rossi and Henry Bach on the design mm-hmm. of the instrument. And I believe Henry Bach is actually going to be giving a recital on it. Oh, very cool. Fest. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. And it won't be $12,000. Yeah, I was just going to ask. That do you I think do the, know about the price. Yeah, because if the price is more reasonable, I mean, even myself, yeah. I mean, I would love to play more bass clarinet, but it's kind of a chicken... Is that the right word? Chicken before the egg or whatever I know. thing. Like I, you have to have the good clarinet to play stuff or to get called for those things, but you can't right. justify the purchase till you start getting called. Exactly. Um, so at some point exactly. you gotta just bite the bullet, but man, the, especially with the right. exchange, like the, the price on some of those, if you're not using them a lot, I mean, it's really hard to, to justify oh. these days. It's like a brand new car. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So it's going to be a lot more reasonably priced and, you know, sold direct, of course. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not going to have all the markup rigmarole. Well, this is fantastic. Yeah. If people have questions for yeah. you or about these products, mm-hmm. where can they get in touch online? Um, they can get in touch with me. Um, my email is Lacey. It's L-A-C-Y, no E, at royalmusicalinstruments.com. Um, they can also go to the website for more information. It's royalmusicalinstruments.com. Um, and, um, oh, before before we get too far, um, we're also going to have two more um, models, B-flat and A models, out this year. Um, the next one that's coming out is called The Legend. Um, and, uh, and then the Voce is going to be our top of the line. So where would this current one that I have sit in that kind of, uh, price range and, and, and range and range of, um, professionalism? I mean, it sounds like the, the, the Voce you said, that's gonna be the top. Yes. Yes. So where's the classical going to sit in comparison to the legend? Um, the classical is basically like the, it's, it's, the it's basically kind of like, I don't know, well, just to compare it just to what people know. Um, like say like 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 buffet like their their um, lineup. Mm-hmm. So that comp- like the classical compares more to the R13, and the Voce would compare more to like the Prestige. Oh okay. And what about the right. Legend? 
Um, the legend would probably be more like in line, like with like a tradition, um, vintage, oh, okay. possibly. Yeah, yeah. We haven't gotten them yet, so it's kind of hard to say exactly how they're how they play. <laughs> oh yeah, fair enough. It's good to know yeah. that there's other options yeah. coming, and uh, right. sounds like you guys right. got a whole lot going on with with these. It's mm-hmm. exciting. Right. Yeah, it is. It is for sure. And they're, they're great instruments. And, you know, and Gao is really invested in doing everything right and keeping the quality high. And he's very open to feedback. Um, so if we notice something, we can just tell him and he'll and he's receptive to it. And it's it's a good it's a good thing going, I think. Yeah. Well, before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like yeah. to share with the audience about your instruments or your, your work? Um. I say give them a try. I mean, it's, you know, they're, they're great instruments. And, you know, if we didn't think that they were fantastic, we wouldn't even be doing this. And, um, you know, check out the website, check out Music for Good. Um, read the Music for Good manifesto. I think you'll like what you read there. Um, and, you know, we're just kind of really wanting to do something good for the, you know, the music market as the music ecosystem as a whole and just give something to people that you know that they can feel good about and get a good instrument and not feel like they just got bent over a barrel for it <laughs> you know <laughs> well, yeah and you know as i mentioned at the beginning i uh i did you, you did send me two of these so i'm going to be posting a review on clarinet.com i think yeah. it should come out probably within about a week or maybe at the same week of whenever this uh interview airs which will probably be in april Um, So if if you're listening to this, it'll probably be up online about the same time. And uh, just a reminder again, I reviewed the E and the O voicing. And uh, yeah, it was really great to try these. I was pretty, pretty impressed. And, uh, you know, I wasn't quite sure what to expect. I'd never heard of this brand. I suspect many many other people are. And uh, yeah, I think it's definitely worth some consideration just to, you know, even just to try it out and compare it to everything else you're considering. It's a great, great great option. Right. And the warranty is excellent, too. It's a three year warranty. So um, um, you were asking about the wood before in the drying mm, process. So yeah. um, so the crack warranty is three years. Um, the The first year, if it's going to crack, it's going to happen in the first year. Um, so if if the instrument cracks in the first year and it goes through the bore, we'll replace the instrument. Uh, second and third year, we will replace the joint. Um, if like the bell or the barrel cracks, we'll replace the part. Um, and so, but the wood, it, it's very non-crack prone, I guess, if that's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because he goes through the drying process, like I told you about, like it, it's uh, four years of air drying and then um, three weeks in a carbon steam pressure machine. And then another four years of air drying. So it's a whole eight year process. So the wood is very, um, it's it's very resistant to cracking. And when we were at TMEA, we spent a lot of time with him and I actually just kind of like chewed his ear off asking him all kinds of questions about everything. And mm-hmm. um, I asked him um, how many instruments he's had crack since he's you know been doing this. And he said, um, from the past five years of over a thousand plus instruments he sold worldwide, he only knows of five that have cracked. Oh, wow. And with a warranty yeah. like that, you'd think people would, would use it too if it was happening. Right. Exactly. Right. So there you go. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Well, when I, you dry it properly and you do it right, it should, it's a good product and it should last. Yeah. And you know, there's nothing to hide when the instrument's not stained either. So that's a testament right. also. 
Right, right. No staining. And I actually think they're prettier when they're not stained. <laughs> oh, I like that too. Yeah. Some people really prefer the black, but I like the, the non-stained I like, look. I like to see the wood grain. It's pretty. You know, it's like the natural characteristic of the wood. I hate to say this, but when I was younger and yeah. I, ch- I was choosing a clarinet, it's one of the reasons I picked a festival over the, <laughs> the R13s I had. Oh, really? <laughs> that and I really preferred the silver plate and the left hand E flat lever. But you know, oh, sure. I found the yeah. wood grain looked pretty nice. <laughs> nice, yeah. <laughs> so, well, thank you so much for talking with me today. And Absolutely. I really hope I get the chance to come out to uh, Clarinet Fest this summer. I'm, I'm going to try and make that work. Um, and if I do, I'd love to stop by and try the Vache and the Legend as well. It'd be great. Oh, absolutely. Bring a bass mouthpiece, too, so you can try the bass, too. Very good idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. <laughs> and I hope I'll see you out in Orlando. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for being game. Thanks for listening to the Clarinet Podcast. For free content updates, coupons, and a chance to win giveaways mentioned on the show, please be sure to enter your email address at clarinet.com slash subscribe. The podcast is brought to you in part by the generous support of its listeners. If you'd like to learn how you can help out, please see clarinet.com slash support. Today's episode was brought to you by D'Addario Woodwinds. Sanding, shaping, balancing. For centuries, mastering your instrument meant mastering these crafts too. But now, D'Addario is refining craftsmanship for the 21st century by refining their reeds and mouthpieces with the world's most innovative techniques, so you can spend less time sanding, shaping, and balancing, and more time perfecting your own craft. To learn more about the new era of craftsmanship from D'Addario Woodwinds, visit daddario.com woodwinds.